Hello, this is Deb, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network, Deb's Data Dojo. Today I'm talking to Matthew Roberts. He's the former member of the United States Navy who's been coming forward to talk about his experiences. He served as a cryptologist and was on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt in 2015. Matthew viewed the Navy's footage of the gimbal with the battle group that he was working with at the time, and after seeing the footage, it changed his life. He began to have paranormal encounters and now identifies as an experiencer. He has written a book called Initiated UAP Dreams, Depression, Delusions, Shadow People, Psychosis, Sleep Paralysis, and Pandemics. In addition to having Matthew Roberts here today, we have co-host Tyler, who's from TT Productions and Dockside Media. He's also the host of Curiously Insane Podcasts on YouTube and has created several films, including In Plain Sight, The Intelligence Community, and UFOs. Welcome to both of you. I'm very happy to see you both today. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on here, Deb. Yes. And I'm excited to talk, you know, talk to Matthew here and uh, just hear hear things from the horse's mouth, right? Well, let's go ahead and get started. First, I want to tell you the funny little synchronicity I have for you today. I was watching a little show called UFO Witness this morning because I had found out season two came out. First episode, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. That was I enjoyed that. Matthew's on UFO Witness season two, episode one. Yes, yes, that was. Um, yeah, that was shot quite a while ago. Um, uh, probably about nine months ago now, maybe. So um, yeah, but I, I enjoyed the show. It was it was nice. Um, every everyone on that show is great. So. Right, and they they really tried to do some serious work. I I noticed that uh, they had some other um, big hitters on that episode with you, like uh, Terry Lovelace. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was it was a nice little coincidence because I was like, no, I'm good. I'm not gonna watch all of Matthew's stuff because I want to <laughs> just kind of take it fresh and ask him the questions that I have and not be overly guided. And there you were, yeah, <laughs> this morning before I went to work. <laughs> <laughs> nice that's nice okay so i think i would like to um give you a chance to start with explaining how you kind of got pulled into this um you know you have told people before you know you were on the roosevelt mm -hmm. 2015 yeah you were talking to some pilots and you saw a video so i'll let you take it from there yeah, well, so I didn't initially, I didn't talk to any pilots initially back in 2015. So um, what happened was, you know, I was on, I was stationed on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt. I was um, the SES LPO at the time. And um, we were doing our workups, you know, everything seemed normal. They were workups just like any workups I'd ever done. You know, uh, I, I had done quite a few throughout my career. Um, so we were just kind of sitting back, waiting for our grade. We had been out there for like a month or so, um, just off the coast of Florida. 
and um, one of my buddies uh, from another part of the ship who also worked in an intel in intel he was an intelligence specialist that was his rate um he walked in and he said but he worked you know more closely with uh the air wing and the pilots and he walks in and he said hey you know let me show you this um and that was i, I sat down at my computer <laughs> and we all kind of incest gathered around and i pulled it up and uh my jaw just dropped um and that that was the first time i saw the gimbal footage and it was it was sometime in the next uh day or so afterwards that i that i believe i saw that um and then uh, of course that that wasn't just a one-off um they uh this was happening for the the rest the remainder of the four or five days we had uh left out to sea so uh, they well, came, okay. they came yeah, back so every we, night after that. Yeah, we've been hearing that, that people don't understand that it was more than one incident, that it was yeah. many incidents, and that they're still ongoing. They keep stressing that there's probably been at least 100 more since the report. Um, yeah. So I, I think people are starting to understand it's a lot bigger than the little clip. But I have a question about that clip. Okay. I saw you tweeted that someone made the comment that there was four more minutes of that gimbal footage. Are you able yes. to comment on whether or not that's accurate? Um, you know, I I have never I, I've never seen an additional four minutes of that, but uh that was Ryan Graves actually tweeted yes. that out. And I think mm -hmm. I retweeted it. Um and you know, if he says there's a longer version of that. Uh, that would not surprise me at all. I, I don't think that that's all there is to it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure there was more to that clip. Um, that particular clip, though, uh, was one that I saw after the fact, and it was edited down to that when I saw it. Okay. So I, I did not see uh, the longer version. I just saw that clip. That's impressively fast that they worked that quickly to cut it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you said it's like a day later, right? Right. Hmm. Yeah. And and so that the, the whole deal for that was that uh, I don't know if I should. I'm not sure if I should get into this or not. But I know they had to take the, the meta stuff out to protect yeah. people and the, the sources and methods. I understand. I totally respect that. So you don't have to go over that part. I understand that part. Okay. Yeah. And I I don't understand what um, what about that additional four minutes um, would have been edited out of that to maybe make it a certain classification. I I don't know, but you know, the way Ryan Graves describes it and the way I've seen him describe it um, in, in his own experiences is that, you know, the, the thing flips up on its side and just takes off at incredible speed, you know? Um, yeah. and, and that was something that, that was the way he described that. So I, you know, I, I part of me wonders, well, do we get to see that I know <laughs> in, in a longer like... clip? You know, I think that would be wonderful for people to see, actually. Yeah, and I feel like it's silly at this point. Um, some of the 
redacting and editing like we yes yeah. please protect sources and methods absolutely we get it we understand mm -hmm. but we understand also what's going on with these uaps we understand because there's thousands upon thousands of witnesses so why right. do we need to keep having everything edited <laughs> like it's right it's yeah there, there's nothing within oh well you know, once it flips up on its side, suddenly some source or source or method is revealed. And so they had to clip that out. I mean, that, that that's not the case. You know, if if the if the if that small portion of the video was able to be released, then the rest of it should, too. I mean, there's there's nothing else in that that would have revealed the source or a method. Um, I don't so know. And a lot of people laughed about the shapes being redacted. They're like, we know what the shapes are. Like, I understood uh. that, though, too. I understood that in redacting them, they're not going to give away anything that could be potentially ours. And there's still going to be like a level of uncertainty if uh, adversaries read the report about mm. what could be ours versus UAP. But then we also have the conversation of isn't it a little dangerous for them to be unsure if it's us versus UAP? <laughs> like, shouldn't they know? Like, shouldn't they have some idea like that for their own safety at all times? You know, I don't know. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if that I, I don't know why that would be classified either, because that's not a source or a method. Um, you know, and 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 to say that you, you know that uh, somehow gun, camera gun footage is classified as a source or a method is just kind of bogus. I mean, there's you you can look all over YouTube and see gun camera footage of whatever that has happened uh, regarding the military in the past. So uh, to to claim that that is somehow uh protected and classified i think is is a little bogus in my opinion well i think that yeah i'm inclined to believe we see something on you know that that's irrefutable like the instantaneous yeah. acceleration i mean that's mm -hmm. the like as a filmmaker i don't know if if i i don't know if i'm in that person's position and i see that and whatever my orders are above me um and i know who i got to report etc cetera, etc cetera, I don't know. I'm I'm probably trimming when I, I'm either trimming it myself or rather getting, you know, handing this off to say, and they're like, dude, you got to cut that out. If this, if anybody sees this, this is going to cause a lot more questions uh, that we're really not willing to start talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and that, that probably has more to do with it than anything. I'm sorry, Deb, go ahead. I was just going to say one other thing that I've heard before is I've heard Mellon say this wasn't, really confidential no one cared about these videos like people are mm -hmm. overreacting about their release but the truth is at the time no one was really touching this case no one was coming to talk to you guys about what was happening um you know mm -hmm. i know offsap ended up talking to you guys because no one else had really done it um and that was before atip was really active i think um i know that there's some confusion about the different roles but as far as i know osap was the group that investigated the tic tac for instance so um yeah melon has said no one was really paying attention to these things it wasn't that big a deal um for them and then they were just sitting out there in the public for a long time before anyone noticed <laughs> right yeah 
Yeah, and you know, I I mean, I can't really speak to who investigated what, whether it was a tip, boss up, uh, whatever uh, alphabet soup <laughs> um, you want to put in there. I mean, it's I I just know that you know. I, so after I worked on the Theodore Roosevelt, I transferred. Um, and I transferred to the Office of Naval Intelligence. Um, and that was where I also, you know, saw additional things um, that obviously have not been made public, but uh, which are also very compelling um, in I've their own way. Right. I've yeah. heard about a few of those. Uh, yeah. Because there's a, a Tyler, there's like this system where people can share videos among the different um, military units and so forth. Okay. Um, and I'm, I won't name it right now. I actually probably would not. Actually, I think I know. I remember what it's called. But anywho, there's a system where they share the videos that are out there, but it's not public yet. Hmm. More Tic Tacs would be one of the things that's sitting in that system right and you know and i you know it, it's more than just tic tacs i mean i i'll tell you straight up right now that there's there's more than just that like you there are things out there that if you saw some of these things it would there there'd be no doubt in your mind as to what that is you know i mean it i I, and I, I don't know because like I, you know, honestly, I didn't really even see that stuff until after I had started having my experiences. So um, I, I just don't understand what more <laughs> the public wants. I mean, Congress is spending money on this. Uh, this is real. You know, I mean, it's just at, th at this point, I don't I don't understand people, you know, who are trying to make this uh something else you know like uh seagulls or um or... okay well that that's sometimes the mistake of the presenter okay so we know what happened recently like like two months ago a certain media um organization really was, was very excited to share their videos unfortunately they picked one that really was birds you know so mm -hmm. that's that kind of thing kind of hurts everything um, but I mean, the, they, when, when that happened, people missed the whole point, uh, which was a whole nother organization was saying we have stuff too. I think that was, I, I think it was Homeland Security. I think it was mm -hmm. DHS that had videos and they unfortunately oh, yeah. just kind of made a big deal about that one. And that one happened to be birds. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where the messaging becomes a problem. I stay away from videos like that as much as possible i tend yeah. to go more the route of talking to people like you matthew um you tyler you know i want to talk to people and i also like to look at the papers and studies that have been done which is you know i think more supportive um just the huge plethora of data there's yeah. so much data like in fact, I'm going to be getting to what you've been researching, too, because I'm fascinated by the comments you made about the ancient history of UAPs. Mm -hmm. So I assume you've done some research on that, which is one of my favorite topics, too. But I'm getting ahead of myself. 
before we get to that, <laughs> I want to give you a chance to talk about, you've seen, you saw the video, um, you were with the battle group, you moved over and you through the synchronicities that happen with the phenomenon, as we know that happens, you were able to see more videos, but in the midst of all this, you started having your own encounters. And I was wondering if you could kind of let people know just a little bit about what that was, what happened for you. Yeah. You know, so uh, this initial event in um, 2015 on the theater Roosevelt uh, was, it it happened. Right. And then uh, I kind of just put it in the back of my head um, for a couple of years. Uh, You know, after this workup cycle, we deployed, um, we did an around the world nine month deployment. uh, And then I spent another year on the ship. And then, you know, I transferred in 2017 to uh, O&I in D.C. It's it's actually in Suitland, Maryland, right outside D.C. And um, that was when it was it was immediately after I got there. I started having these follow on experiences that initially, I'm not going to lie, they were absolutely terrifying um, to me initially. Uh, because I didn't, you know, it, it wasn't something that I had thought was possible. Um, I guess, you know, I had seen this footage and so I knew, you know, okay, this whole UFO thing, maybe it's real, but I, I wasn't sure to the extent <laughs> that that it's real, you know, and, and that people are actually experiencing this stuff on a daily basis. Um, and that, that was one of the things that was so disturbing to me that I felt like I had to come out and talk about this. Uh, because I'm, I'm a serious individual, right? I had a very serious job. Um, and so to hear someone with my background, you know, having had a security clearance for 16 years, and I'm, I'm saying this happened to me, right? I, I would go to bed at night and have non-human intelligences in my room at night. Um, and that's not a joke, you know? Uh, so, so I, I, I feel like there are, there are some people who aren't, who do don't deal with this stuff mm-hmm. in the same way that I was able to, I was able to put some things together and kind of make sense of this, um, and, and put it in a context that, I, I believe is correct. Um, and, and, and I just, I feel like, you know, we got to stop lying about this. This is right. serious stuff. Um, and you know, it's scary is if you really look into the things other people went through um, yeah. with this in the past, we've just made, we've had just so many missteps. Okay, so let's see. The first misstep was first they were telling people they were ordering them just forget it, like they were going to yeah. be able to. Come on, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. second of all, they were literally um, punishing people 
like yeah. you know firing them people have been fired someone sued because they were fired for their interest in this topic um you know some people were hurt and there were legal cases related to that um and then there's all the denials going with that you know so there's a lot of missteps regarding just trying to cover it up and then there's the misstep of we know there's misdiagnosis related to this um and there's really when i when i study the academic aspect of this the people who have studied this there's a lot of contradictory information but what i can tell you just from looking at it as sort of a researcher it seems like what you went through is the like the almost like an arc that people go through as an experiencer first there's the fear and shock everyone will have that with their yeah. first encounter and then eventually there's more of a okay i'm accepting what happened to me and then like you become significantly altered in a way yeah um and so i think that when i when i've heard you talking about what happened to you i i think your book probably came from being significantly altered eventually all those things culminated in that book oh yeah yeah absolutely without a doubt i mean i i was not somebody who who believed in this stuff at all um prior to any of this mm -hmm. um and, and i think that that is that's like really hard for me because I, I, I tend to think that I'm, you know, a logical person. Right. And, and, and yet there has been such a large portion of my life where like, if this stuff came on TV, you know, I would kind of roll my eyes and change the channel. Okay, sure. You know, um, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the government has done such a, good job of really trying to push this um, into the background. And it's very unfortunate uh, and criminal, I think, uh, in my opinion, uh, because it, it, it is so serious. You know, the, the thing that I, yeah. immediately struck me uh, when I was going through my experiences and afterwards is that I could not believe that science has done absolutely nothing with this you know i was like science science has failed me <laughs> i'm going to you know? say that's not true there were yeah. scientists on it um eric oh, yeah, davis yeah. obviously i'll quite Dean a bit uh, yeah. yeah if if you read um the so society for scientific exploration they read like the invisible college they've been working on this for decades but people just weren't paying attention. Um, so, and right. I think they're actually kind of offended that people are not reading their papers, which were peer reviewed, by the way. Um, yeah. And they really took it pretty seriously. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, but it's like, you know, mainstream wasn't taking this seriously. No. And if you had gone to any university, uh, you know, prior to like 2017 in the New York Times article, uh, and started talking about this to academics they would be like get out of here with that you know what i mean mm -hmm. and that that is that's tragic because there yeah. there's so much here you know uh, one of my goals in writing this book um was and i'll say this uh dr gary nolan did in uh, kind of a little known 
interview before he did this one with Tucker Carlson, right? And one of the things he said in this interview is he said, you know, there's some good news here. There's good news here. Um, and that is that, you know, the human race, as a, as a race, we kind of had this idea in our head that how are we going to move beyond where we are now without destroying ourselves, right? And, and, and so Dr. Gary Nolan said, well, the good news is that someone has figured that out, right? I mean, there's these beings with these amazing craft and this incredible technology, and it did not destroy them. And so how did they do that? You know, that that's what we need to figure out so that we can do that, right? And so that's like, that's really kind of the crux of my book. And and the experiences that I had is how do you do that? How do you move beyond and not destroy yourself? And I, um, I have little thoughts about that all the time. <laughs> like one thing I was thinking about <clears throat> today was people who look at our huge intellectual leap claim that when we got fire and learned to preserve food longer, that enabled our ability to grow intellectually, right? And what do people say about non-human intelligence? They say they don't really need to eat. They get their nutrients a different way. So if we get to the point where we don't have to eat food and go to McDonald's or Heinz or whatever and can just get our nutrients in some other way, then maybe we'll start doing the leaps and bounds with intellect again. In fact, I think the reason that we're able to kind of go back to our roots with this aspect of humanity, which I think we've always had, is because technology in the last hundred years has been so significant that we've been able to focus on this again because we were so busy trying to survive right. for so yeah. long. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, 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 oh, I, I it's just, for me, I, I just, I, I really... I, I can't emphasize enough. I my book, right? It, it's it's basically about my experiences, but there is a much deeper message in that, right? Um, because I talk about how it changed me and why it changed me, and also kind of the history of 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 contact between the human race and whatever you want to call this, the phenomenon, you know, um, and. I think that there, there's a lot for us to learn there. I, and I feel like uh, even though this is becoming more mainstream, I, I think they're thinking about it too, too small. It's still too small, right? They just, they want to think that this, oh, it's just some other, you know, a higher intelligence that's making contact with us. But it, it, it is more than that it is it is so much more than that because I, I mean in order to create these types of things and to create this technology you have to know more about the universe more about physics uh more about mathematics than we currently do and and what is the answer to that right and and, and so we have to learn from them we have to uh if we're going to survive and if we're going to move forward. Yeah, you, you, there's so many questions, but 
<laughs> I mean, I could go on about what is their motivation, you know, and so on and so on. But before I do, I wanted to kind of go back a little bit because um, I have a question actually for Tyler. So as, as you heard with Matthew, when he was in that battle group and exposed to this footage and everything, he started having experiences. And I was wondering if you, Tyler, have felt like you've had an increase amount of connections or experiences with the paranormal since you started doing your work with Oxide Media? Great question, Deb. Um, I can't really think of any paranormal experiences I had prior to starting Dockside Media off the top of my head. Since starting uh, going and, and meeting with these different intelligence officers and uh, experiencers, investigators and all these things and going out and doing investigating myself. Yeah, had a couple of odd um, just occurrences like my son's medication kept going missing and it's just a medication where it's like in seven day format, whatever. And I'm like, huh, how's that one missing? All right, pop this one. I'll even this up like the next night or the next morning, then the next night, like they kept getting uneven again. I'm like, what is going on here? And just some odd things around the house, like getting moved around um, and disappearing kind of like when my son and I are both right there. We're like, where did this go? Searching all over for it, like reaching down in, in a recliner thinking, man, maybe, I don't know, maybe it fell down here, pulling out this slinky that was lost for like a year that we had stuck our hand down there a hundred times since then. And then like 30 seconds later, yeah, the, the inhaler is like laying in the middle of the living room floor, like where I had already grid walk searched, like, you know, a few times, like just, so just weird stuff. Um, when I was making conscious contact, full disclosure, uh, I did uh, Sue Walker's telepathy 101 primer. Um, so just went at it with uh, my best attempt and an open mind and open heart and good intentions and just had some unique experiences like an extraterrestrial uh, being the face or being, I guess, like mostly the face, but I guess it was a whole being uh, more like, I guess, the bust. Right. But popped up in front of me and it was super kind of shocking and jarring um, because like as a filmmaker, I, I've been fortunate enough, like I can picture stuff up in my mind's eye, like a scene and everything. And this was completely different than that it was like well this thing seems like six or whatever three feet six feet in front of me like this is weird and and uh like after the experience i'm like racking my brain like okay where would i my where would my mind have put this image of a mental or of an et like mentally where did it come from like, man i can't think of any pop culture picture movie anything that looked anything like this so i was like that's crazy my mind if it just came up with that so those things um yeah there was just odd things like that uh and um this stuff was occurring you know it was happening not super often but enough times uh my son was starting to like get a little fearful and uh and he's eight years old and like i had been out visiting sue walker who um her experience, she's, she's in, in uh, telepathic contact with the Ponte extraterrestrials in a mountain base um, 
in, in New Mexico there in the Sandia mountains. And so after these things are going on, I'm like, Hey, look, man, Hunter, let's, here's the deal, bud. If, if there's advanced beings, extra, extraterrestrials out there and they wanted to do me and you like harm, severe harm, like it, it would already be done. We wouldn't be sit, standing here right now. It'd be over and done with. So I'm like, yo, Ponte, if you're out there teasing us, messing with us, whatever, you know, please make dad the best filmmaker in the universe or in the world, oh whatever gosh. it was. And dude, I'll be darned after making that statement. We got four documentaries picked up in the past 11 months or whatever, 12 months. So I don't know the Ponte. I wouldn't discount that. Maybe they had a little bit of help in that. And, um, so I just love this journey, man. It's been making me much more open-minded, compassionate, empathetic, uh, just a more well-rounded human being. And so right, like, I, I thoroughly enjoy this. And so Matthew, for me, right, <clears throat> I haven't been into these types of topics. I haven't watched, like, I don't watch these uh, extraterrestrial and Sasquatch, I like ghost documentary. Like I just, I wasn't somebody who consumed that content. Um, just a filmmaking partner myself felt compelled to start making paranormal documentaries, right? And this whole thing kind of feels like fate, destiny, whatever you want to call it. Um, it just feels kind of meant to be. It's a lot more effortless than a ton of other things I've done in my life, right? And the people that yes. I've been able to meet and interview, and it just, it's crazy how all of it has come together. So I'm curious with you on the uh, Theodore Roosevelt seeing the footage, uh, like a day later. Um, also then having experiences yourself. I'm curious that when you went into Naval intelligence and saw these other videos, were you seeking them out personally? Can I get all the information or all the data I can find on UFO or like, did they almost just kind of find you like these other experiences had found you? Um, You know, I, it, it was more that, uh that stuff just kind of found me i think it wasn't uh it, it wasn't that i was necessarily seeking it out um i think you know being uh that i was on the sh on the ship in 2015 and i saw this stuff i when i first started working at o and i i thought to myself you know there's got to be some group of people here that are working on this but i don't you know i don't know who they are um could be anybody in this building you know and i i don't who knows you know um and so i i you know i started having my own experiences and then i just came to find uh this stuff you know hmm. and it was um it falls on your lap yeah yeah it, it kind that's, of did that's how i feel and i have a lot of that happening to me um and i i was not in, interested in this a year ago i mean as a kid i saw uh unsolved mysteries you know right. but i didn't and i watched a little bit of x files but i wasn't seriously studying this stuff until about a year ago mm -hmm. and then since then i've spoken to um john ramirez lou elizondo um jack sir sir Potty. I just say that a certain way for a reason. You know, I'm talking to you, Matthew. I talk to you, Tyler. Like, and I feel like I was also sort of put in this place, you know, and things are coming to me for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. And and 
I've, I spoke to John about this and John went to the university next to where they archived the NSA files. Uh-huh. Or I should say where they did archive the NSA files. And I went to the university where Blue Book is archived. Um, and we just kind of wonder, like, what happens where we get put in places? I feel like, Matthew, you were put in a place after you had that um, initial experience. You were just kind of put there. And there's a reason yeah. for that. I feel like there's a reason for it. But I wanted to <clears throat> to say beyond that, like, beyond the fact that we're all getting kind of put in a place, which, you know, Valet would say it's because we're, like, pawns or whatever you know it's kind of creepy right but um there's a couple other things i want to address that was why i asked the question like what if this happened to you too so we know two things have been mentioned for people who have encounters one is the hitchhiker effect which is once you get involved with this something may come home with you and it sounds like maybe that has happened to both of you yeah, you agree with that? Yeah, I even had uh, uh, an ex-girlfriend. Um, now, she said it was her, not me, for the record. Okay. Um, but uh, before she dumped me. But uh, oddly enough, was dating her at the time. And she had, yeah, just like some weird haunted stuff moving around noises in her house that, you know, she had been there, her and her three kids for a number of years and they just kind of popped up. So uh, that was really interesting too. Uh, shortly after we started dating. Yeah. She had had some odd experiences. Yeah. At her house. I wonder what they were. The, okay. So I feel like eventually they're going to have to figure that out. The science of that, like the technology behind that, what, what it is that latches on, you know, I really am curious about that. But before is it shared consciousness like are we sharing all this consciousness somehow because like that's definitely a thing but that's you know because like (laughs) me um (laughs) you know just me thinking of oh man i haven't talked to so-and-so in two years and then they text me like that day and it doesn't happen all the time but the fact that it happens even more than one out of whatever the odds are right like ten thousand, a million whatever um yeah, it speaks to like maybe some sort of shared consciousness. So, right, I have this girlfriend and she's on my mind, right? And I have these experiences and somehow, right? So we're already sharing this, uh, some sort of connection that neither you, me, her, anybody can see, uh, but there's something there. Uh, same deal. The, the, like the day that she dumped me, it was just one of those things where like I was, I just, I don't know, like two hours before it happened, I became super restless. I never go for walks. Like just, I mean, I like, I'm active. I'm like me and my son were playing, but I like never purposely, I'm not the guy that goes for a walk around the block. And like, I had to go out and go for this walk. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I come back Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, get get the news that. It it was her loss. Okay. Her loss. Just say it right now. Oh no, dude. And that's. Dude, I love all that. I'm like, yo, I just, it was a different relationship for me as far as taking things slow, et cetera. I just appreciated the experience, man. I'm a better person because of it. So I don't, uh, yeah, whatever. I just, yeah, I just let it go and kept moving on. But yeah, I think, you know, 
Matthew, really, you've you've touched on this, of course. I think everyone ends up going to consciousness after they, because what? Okay, the study of UAPs is never going to just be the study of objects in the sky ever. Like right. it's way it's you start studying the ocean, you start studying space. I started like comparing pressure in the ocean to space. You know, I like it's the study of. Uh, physics and quantum physics it's a study of even you got into time travel anthropology our history um you know communication um why darpa is using um brain waves to move objects you know it's so much to study <laughs> like but then you end up at consciousness so i'll let matthew kind of address the cosmic uh what i call the cosmic internet yeah yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I came to realize that, you know, what people call high strangeness and, and you know, like uh, paranormal uh, was just a, a totality of experience. And, and it was a totality of experience that was set forth, you know, within my life in a very purposeful way. Um, and I didn't understand this until the very tail end of this, that uh, the, the whole thing was designed, in fact, as an initiatory experience. And that's why that's why you have this arc, right, where, where you, you're you're just this normal guy or whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden you end up at consciousness because this is a a consciousness initiation right that's what they're doing they're it's a conditioning of your mind through a process they know how to do it uh they know exactly where to apply pressure when and they do it to you and um and it it kind of brings you into consciousness which is the second part that i was going to get to earlier I said yeah. the first one was the hitchhiker effect. And the second one is the part that Gary Nolan's been talking about. The caudate putamen, I think. I can't ever yeah. say it right. The, the basal ganglia part of the brain. Right. There's evidence that there's some um, increased matter. And it, it, of course, too much is very dangerous and can be a big issue. Um, but there's some increased matter in that area. Um, I have spoken to another doctor who made it pretty clear that it's not the same area as it is for a schizophrenic, but they have a similar um, indicator. And as we know, schizophrenics see things, right? Mm -hmm. I was having this thought, by the way, the other day. I was like, you can be schizophrenic and an experiencer. Like, people keep forgetting that. They can be both. Can you imagine how horrific that would be, though, if you're already schizophrenic and then become an experiencer? <sighs> well, you know, I, I'll say that since publishing my book, I have so I, I have people that will contact me. Um, and, and my whole thing about this whole process is that it's seasonal. Uh, it, it begins at a certain time of year and it ends at a certain time of year. And so every season I'll have people contact me who are going through this stuff. And uh, there was one person that he had been diagnosed with um, uh, possible schizophrenia, they were thinking. And uh, he was devastated. 
by that by that diagnosis, of course. Um, but you know, I started working with him a little bit uh, through these experiences and kind of interpreting symbols and things. I think we've heard, um, uh, you know, some some people within government circles talking about how this this phenomenon it speaks in symbols and 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 metaphor and allegory to us. And so I, I will work, I'll start working with somebody and I'll, I'll give them like a, a little baseline know-how about how to interpret these things, right? These symbols and allegories. And, and so when they start doing that, it's like a switch, right? Suddenly this goes from high strangeness to, oh, you know, now I'm getting it, right? Uh, last season, there was also um, a guy that contacted me. He It was late in the season, and he, he told me about a, a dream he had, right, that was very strange. And so I kind of gave him the, these basics about how to interpret allegory within dreams, right? And I, I didn't want to tell him what the dream meant. I mean, I knew what it meant <laughs> as he's describing it to me. But, you know, it, it, he came back to me a few days later and he was devastated. He's like, I failed. I, I failed initiation, you know. And I said, no, you know, you didn't fail. I said, nobody ever fails, right? It's just the, the worst you'll get from the phenomenon is not an F. You'll get uh, a, an, an incomplete, right? You'll get not yet. Not needs yet. more work, yeah. Right. Or, or a complaint of non-compliance, which is what I get, because I I'm <laughs> I'm pushed constantly to you should be meditating so you can get some yeah. more information, and I'm constantly saying no. Okay, so <laughs> well, you know, here here's the thing. So, and this somebody if if somebody can't tell you what meditation does for does actually does for you, right? A lot of people say meditate, but what it, what does that mean, and what does it do for you? Right. And, and meditation uh, is something that can hone and train your mind. Right. To be more disciplined. Uh, so it, it trains the mind for, to go from one thought to another. Right. So so you're having your regular day and you're thinking about things. And then all of a sudden I want to think about nothing. Right. Yeah. And so. You're, you're training the mind to to be able to switch from one mode to another, right? At your will. Most people don't do that. Well, my problem was I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just clear my mind. So yes. I went a different path and ended up in what was more like remote viewing. So it was more like trances. But anywho, I wanted to tell you something real quick. Okay. Um, next week, I'm speaking to an author, um, Cheryl Costa, who wrote a reference called the UFO Sightings Desk Reference. It's also known as the Pink Book. Yes, it is. It, <laughs> yes, that it is. And um, you keep when you talked about seasons, um, I was thinking next week I'm going to ask about that because I know yeah. that there are some patterns that have been indicated. Um, 
and I'm definitely going to try to follow up a little bit more on that concept. I think there might be more of there are seasons when we're paying attention rather than seasons of UAP activity, because I think UAPs are consistent. I think that they're prevalent every day. And then, and people say there's about four reported sightings in the USA alone every day. Um, so there, the people who um, worked on this book, which is Cheryl and Cheryl's wife, um, Linda Miller Costa, um, they said that as far as I know, they used the National UFO Reporting Center and MUFON to get this, right? And of course, there are like probably at least a hundred other places that people could report that aren't even in here. Uh-huh. So <laughs> this could be highly accurate that there's at least four sightings every day, not including all the military sightings. Right. And that's yeah. just the U.S., yeah, and so one thing I will say about that is because a lot of people will come at me with a with maybe like a, a different interpretation of it. So the, the process is like a nine month process, right? Which is also uh, it just so happens to be the same amount of time for human fetal gestation, right? So it, the whole idea here is uh, a, a birth. Right, a rebirth, uh, a resurrection, as it were, right, and and this experience, and people noticed this in antiquity that it had a a clear, defined beginning, right, and a defined ending, and I know it does too because of the the, the things that I've experienced. There's this wonderful book that was written a hundred years ago uh, by a woman named Mabel Collins who. She wrote this book is called "When the Sun Moves Northward: The Way of Initiation." Um, and this was something that I was told to read in my experiences. Uh, she was friends with a guy named William Walker Atkinson, who wrote a book called "The Cabalion." I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of that. It's it's a fairly common book among experiencers. They, I, I have talked to experiencer after experiencer that will come across this book um and um and so it, it just it, what happens is this initiatory process has become the basis of all the world's religions right the death and resurrection of christ uh in ancient egypt you had osiris he got chopped up into a million little pieces and then put back together again and that's that's what initiation is, right? There's this tearing down initially and then a building back up. And just as there is within our physical environment with the changing of the seasons, right? You have this death in the fall and in winter and then this building back up on the other side, a rebirth, right? So everything within our physical environment is teaching us that this is the way of life right and, and that that everything is inextricably linked in this way mm-hmm. and yeah go ahead i was going to say we know we, we have flaps right um so and then and then we also have noticed that what we see differs in history and and what we are shown uh differs you know and so we could actually see that the changes um 
which is another thing I want to talk to Miss Costa about because a lot of people are talking about Tic Tacs right now, but obviously there are other shapes still. Um, but before that, it was, uh, I guess the one before was the ghost rockets. And the one before that was the airships. And the one before that was maybe the flying shield, right? So we know there are, are like kind of waves in that sense. So it may not be to me as succinct as nine months. I'm not seeing it that way. I'm seeing it like the whole thing is showing different waves of stuff. But I think there's always, always something happening. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't understand that either in the beginning of my experiences. But then, like, I had this dream, right, where I was, I was sitting across from this elderly gentleman. And he's he's talking to me in this dream and he's teaching me about human psychology. And I woke up from this dream. And as I did, I heard this voice um, that was saying Robert Moore. And so I wrote the name down. I don't know. I, I was, I, I was off to work that morning and I thought, well, I'll just, I don't know if there's anything to that. You know, I'll look this guy up. And he, he wrote this book called um, The Archetype of Initiation. He was a union psychoanalyst in Chicago. And he had died uh, probably about a year before my experiences began. Um, and so I, in reading The Archetype of Initiation, I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is what happened to me, you know, Uh I, I will say another thing, though, and this this might connect with what you're saying. A lot of experiencers are saying that all of this has to do with our transcendence, right? Yeah. And Tyler, this kind of ties into what you were saying earlier about that consciousness, that connected consciousness, right? We all think that's where that transcendence is. So maybe if there is a nine-month cycle, it's just... Because we, we have to kind of go through like a, a learning curve, if that makes sense. We have to go through these steps. Um, everyone seems to think this a major event's going to happen in a few years where everyone's going to either transcend, the planet will transcend, or they won't. <laughs> like they'll be left behind, which is kind of daunting to hear so many different people come up with that. I don't know. What do you think about that? Is that for me? Yeah, for both of you. What do you think yeah, about well, that? I, you know, I'll tell you what. So I'll, within a, within these experiences with experiencers, they are often shown, and this is this is uh, usually a part of the experience. They're shown like images of physical war, right? Warfare, nuclear war, apocalyptic scenes, and and my experience was no different. But what I came to understand about that is that there, there is an allegory there, right? And that is that there is this archetypal idea in the mind of the warrior, the warrior archetype in the psyche. And Dr. Robert Moore wrote about this stuff. Uh, he actually has a book called The Warrior, King, Warrior, Magician, and Lover, which are the four archetypes of the human psyche. And 
so one one of those is the warrior and, and and so you're shown these physical acts of war because you are uh someone who very much lives in the physical world and so they're showing you physical war but what they mean right is that this is an internal war it's an internal struggle to overcome the human condition right to realize that you are more than human i will say i think it's also their excuse for what they do to us and i I have a reason for that because one of the people i spoke to is marie for uh who does work with constant ufo um videos and photos that she's taken constant she's being followed essentially um and she's frequently been taken and when she was taken they showed her a video of the earth being poisoned you know essentially being covered in poison um and i feel like i knew right away that they were trying to explain to her why they took her and why they were excusing their behavior because they were showing her that they were repopulating another planet so basically they were saying this is why your planet is hurting and this is our excuse for what we're doing so I feel like that's another reason that they push that narrative. They're like, because you guys are dangerous, because you guys are aggressive, because you guys are, are at the risk of nuking your planet, we're going to do what we want to do. And we're taking some of your plants, we're taking some of your DNA, and we're probably doing some stuff to your cows. Yeah. Now, when you say they, like... How many different extraterrestrial or non-human intelligence civilizations or species do you think there are? I mean, if, you know, if the universe is as big as it is and there's as many habitable planets in as, in as many galaxies, blah, blah, like, well, then, yeah, I don't know. Are there a million different extraterrestrials visiting yeah. daily? And are they all operating from the same playbook or is there some at various stages uh with various goals and um so much going on tyler so much going on so many different things like it's i really think of have you ever read hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy shame on me i haven't no no it's just like i think of that book sometimes because it kind of treated the the entire earth is something that could just be disposed of in the very beginning of the book and it was just kind of in the way in a highway of the universe okay Hmm. so like because they it was if you read it you'll understand what i'm talking about but i feel like this planet is just kind of like a a stopping point like they you know they, they get some things that they want and they move on some of them live here and they're like kind of peeved that we're messing around with it uh there's a lot of different encounters, a lot of different entities. People are having a lot of different uh, experiences. But but the easiest way to find out about how much that varies and to find out in a really sincere way is just reading the experiencer accounts, I think. Um, and even with that, what's upsetting, though, is that you know that some of that is uh, manipulation. Like what people are seeing may not be what's happening that's what's upsetting so that makes it even harder to answer that question manipulation intentional manipulation by the people reporting it or no, manipulation by the, the beings 
the uh, beings. that are showing these people. Yeah, the beings. But what, what helps that's evidentiary for this is that all these, even if it's different beings, some things are very consistent. I cannot tell you how many times people have said to me that the being took them through a wall. Like, who would make that up? <laughs> like, no one would make that up. Right? That's that's like super bizarre. No one understands how that could even be, right? Like, well, I feel we like, and I could be wrong, to... but I, I I thought like in an old science class back in 10th grade or something, when we were talking about atoms and all this stuff, like the reason your hand doesn't go through the table, you know, like the, the atoms like hit each other. They don't line up. But like in theory, if you would keep hitting your hand enough times against a wall, eventually it, like in, like one of those times it would line up and pass through. Now that was 10th grade. I may have been smoking a little pot back then. I don't know. So, but that's what I recall. I re, that's a core memory. I don't know. I'll, the, look the, it, I'll look it up. I don't want to be giving out misinformation. No, I, I think the only thing that keeps our atoms together is basically electricity. And which freaks me out because I've, I've said this a few times. If when we die, our electricity goes off, why do we not just whoosh, go into the air like Yoda, like Yoda did? You know, why do we still stay connected? Why do we have physical um, stay the way it does? You know, if someone gets uh, electrocuted, why are those atoms not disrupted? Like, I don't understand because I'm not, you know, a neurologist or someone who studies atoms or, you know, scientists in that sense. Or, like, I don't understand the, the basic uh, building blocks. But to me, I, I, the, that is a good question. We know there's space between our atoms. But obviously, if you're a higher intelligence, you might know how to manipulate that. But the point is, like, when you hear experiencer A over here who's never spoken to experiencer C and experiencer B over there has never spoken to A or C all say the same thing, that's pretty good evidence that that might be happening to people. Right? I think that's evidence. It's freaky. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that there are there are these kind of core experiences uh to these things and there's just like with myself there was this uh sexual reproductive component you know which is true mm -hmm. for a lot of people um mm -hmm. i you know i i think that they don't i dna probably plays into that in some way um but the but that too i i learned was kind of an allegorical experience because that was that was something that started off the experience for me that was like one of the first entities i saw in, in my room at night it was a sexual encounter um and this an entity was like it was it, it's first of all it started out it was like a shadow person you know um, that was grabbing my arm and had woken me up. And I'm, I'm looking at this shadow person uh, standing over me. And all of a sudden my room starts to light up and that like this golden light. And then this, the light becomes really bright. And then it's these golden rays of light coming out of its head. And in retrospect, looking at that, I thought, you know, that looks like religious art 
you know, that I've seen from all over the world. And so I thought this has been going on for a very long time, whatever this is, because people have seen this before, obviously, you know. Yeah, I have. I've had a kid that I work with tell me they saw something very, very similar. No, no sexual part, by the way, for them. Yeah. But but they had a, a being in their room that they thought was an angel because it had gold light around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and. And so people would draw these these types of things in antiquity, right? Um, but, you know, something that I came to understand was, so before that ha- happened to me, I had, I had this very frightening encounter where I basically was, this book was dropped into my lap, this book called The Kabbalion, right? And one of the things it states is that the universe is mental, right? that the universe is a mental creation of, of a singular consciousness. And, and so I, I started thinking about this and I thought, you know, those, that light coming out of its head, it's like, it's almost like it's emphasizing that fact, right? That, that, that this is about consciousness, right? And that's what you need to think about. But obviously I wasn't getting that yet. I, I did, you know, I didn't get this, this experience I did not understand at all until, uh, you know, nine, 10, 11 months later. Uh, and then I started looking back on it and unpacking it. And I was like, yeah, you know, because the, the thing about it is, so if the universe is mental, a lot of people talk about, we live in a, a, a universe that's, um, it's a, it's a simulation. Right. Um, and, this is what they're talking about. The universe is actually a created thing and it is a mental creation of a singular consciousness. And it's just divided into everything that we see. Um, And so the thing that's special about that and the reason why consciousness is important is because all is mind, right? The universe is mental. And so you connect with that with your mind. And so this whole process is is a process by which you come to understand that the universe is mental. You have a mind and that is how you can access the universe is through your mind. Um yeah, I think um what I tend to do is lean towards you know consciousness, the spirit, chi the biofield, all of them are kind of the same thing to me. Um, yeah. To me, it's energy. Um, so I think a lot of people see that as light, and they talk about light beings coming to see them. Um, when I was doing my meditations, I was shown a light being, and I spoke to someone else who meditated, and they saw exactly the same thing that described itself exactly the same way which by the way was very confusing. This is what it says. It says, I am you and I am your grandmother (laughs) or I am your ancestor. And then when you speak to someone who's gone on the path a little further, the metaphysical path, they tell you that there is a transcendent you, right? Uh Um, So you can meet essentially what is the embodiment of your soul which is very complicated to me (laughs) like so it's there's a lot going on but when it comes but when it comes to like this cosmic 
internet. Um, I, I like to say that we have little nodes, like there's little nodes that we connect to, um, right. like circuits that are bigger on the, the internet. And one of, one of those circuits is what we call God essentially. Um, and I was told also in meditating that that's also within us. So that's when things get complicated. Because right. if you, when you start to meditate, you find out you don't have to try to look elsewhere for information and you can go inside for it. And people who are smarter than I am claim that's because it's in our DNA and it's in a code. Yeah, there, there's probably something to that, I would imagine. Because uh, everything does have everything living anyway it has dna and so it, it it makes sense that there would be a genetic component to that um but you know that that that's so so the way i describe it to people is that you know when you when you reach this uh the end of this process you connect to this singular consciousness you can call that or describe it as god uh if you want i mean that's they, they're, there's just different words for the same thing. Um, but uh, once you once you start to hone your mind and and think more like a creator, right? More like the creator does, then the more you're on that wavelength mentally, right? And so you connect with that and, and you thereby know it for yourself, right? I mean mathematics is never going to tell you anything about consciousness consciousness is a an experiential thing you have to experience it right there's there's no mathematical equation for it there may be later on down the line after we all know it but <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I think i mean i literally visualize a giant white orb okay and i have gone to visit the giant white orb <laughs> and, uh -huh. and i was told when i was there that yes, this is like, you know, my God or whatever, but it's actually just a node because there's so many, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, and then one is inside of you and one is out there and there's, it's all over. Like you can connect. Yeah. And it's, it's like the, like I said, little nodes and the whole thing. And uh, a lot of people, by the way, you, you'll appreciate this. You probably heard this before say that you can connect to that through what is called the silver cord. Um, so there, it's like your little, it's like your little line that goes straight back. And people who have near death experiences talk about kind of following the cord through a tunnel or whatever. Some people talk about, um, you know, the, all the lights and it, the, there's a lot of similarity. There's so much weird stuff going on. NDEs is such an interesting thing to study too. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, and then they talk about, okay, here's where time stuff comes into play. Here we go. What if we relive this same exact life a bajillion times all at the same time? Just, yeah. just it's for that possible. transcendence. I don't know. Maybe that's why I have a phobia of lightning. Maybe I got struck in a past, you know, my consciousness in a past uh, life got struck. And that's why, man. I don't know when storm clouds start rolling in. It's just something. It gets me nervous. And it's, it's just funny because um, I don't know. I'm comfortable going on these haunted campouts and 
just doing, you know, various things that some people would be like, oh, dude, I, I wouldn't really be thrilled with that. And uh, but lightning, I don't know, dude, there's just something innate in me where I'm like, man, I, I don't want to get struck by lightning. I just don't. And I, I love what you mentioned about time. I like how um, Tom DeLong, uh, uh recently on like Steve-O's podcast was talking about, you know, the idea of like, you know, we all think time's linear, uh, but really it's like past, present, and future are all existing at the same time right now, just at different frequencies. And I'm like, whoa, I, I just, me trying to wrap my pea-sized brain around that is a little tough, but it would explain why, you know, when Chris and I started uh, this this filmmaking company, Dockside Media, and after just getting the, the first footage shot of somebody at a press conference, and I, like, seeing the footage and the audio, and I'm like, Chris, this is getting picked up for distribution. Looking up who do we need to get it to for, like, UFO document. Oh, 1091 pictures. All right, Chris, this is getting picked up by 1091 pictures. I'm telling you. And I don't think anybody uh, in the world would have bet on that happening like at that time. But I just like maybe it, it had already happened. And that's why I felt in my heart, even as like we had the first doc cut, man, just a couple. We started in August. We had the first doc uh, conscious contact full disclosure cut by like um, the end of September, I think. But like we didn't get it picked up for distribution until like January. And that whole time I'm like trying to reach out to 1091 pictures. And Chris is like, man, we should just, just cut, you know, cut bait and run and all the, and I'm like, bro, it's not over until I say it's over. I, I feel it, man. This is, right. this is going to happen. And so I don't know, maybe the reason I could feel that and uh, was because it had already had happened. Right? And I think, I think experiencers encounter this, you know, this uh, understanding and they connect to that. They understand a little bit more about what's going to happen because they like there's an innate grasp already of this Internet, you know, and things like that, if that makes sense. Um, the reason I came up with this idea of what they've been talking about with time on this issue and that everything is now. It's because I watched, um, there's a channel on YouTube, and I'm sorry, I can't tell you what it is because I don't remember, but um, they were they, say, they talked about an experience someone had when he, when a person died, he had a giant wheel show up, and he it was like almost like a roulette, right? And it was spinning, and it, he got into it somehow or something, and it said, okay, you can come back. But which universe do you want to come back into? Which now? So he he had to like choose to come back to the same one. But it was all him, all his life, in all the different universes at the same time. Which is why I had that idea, right? So maybe once you have, like, you know the epigenetics are activated, your genes are activated, you're looking at that DNA map inside you, you got, you know, um, the hitchhiker effect or, or your basal ganglia is enhanced, or maybe even just the phenomenon says, hey, we just want you to know this. 
you're connected to all of that information somehow. What do you think, Matthew? Do you think you're more connected to the cosmic information? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and, and, you know, a lot with a lot of experiencers, uh, they, they talk about how when you see these entities or when they talk to you, it's always telepathic, right? And that's because there is this connection, this mental connection. Uh, and so that's what they're using, uh, because they're much more aware of that connection than we are. Um, and, and they're used to using it in that way. I think, I think the human race eventually will evolve and get there. Um, and, and we too will communicate telepathically. Um, I, when that'll happen, I have no idea. I guess that's up to us, isn't it? Um, well, do you funny. think that's where creativity, some of this, some of this stuff comes from? Like for, like for me, um, man, the names of the different docs, like Conscious Contact, Full Disclosure, the narration, the titles, the narration, the ideas on what to, like, just, just came to me right out yeah. of nowhere, especially a lot of the narration that was written for the docs. It's like, Oh, I'm just driving my car clear my, not thinking about anything. And it would just kind of flow through me. And I would like dictate it in my phone, send it to Chris. I'm like, yo, this is potential narration. And we just log it. And then don't, you know, we get the interviews or he gets them start, start like gets them cut. And all these things that were generated before, right? No plot line, yeah. nothing. We just want these people and all these things, boom, 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 fit, like all fit in there. And it was just, so yeah, where is that stuff coming from? Or like Einstein visualizing while he's on the train, having this epiphany of a, of a ray of light beside him or whatever. Right. And that's where he like comes up with this theory of general uh, relativity and like the speed of light, blah, blah, blah. Like, where's that come from? Is that a nudge from these extraterrestrials or just consciousness as a whole as you kind of put it like or yourself from the other universe saying hey by the way <laughs> yeah know? my node dude my node is like it's as big <laughs> as it can get i stay open to everything and you're talking about time and dude like when i'm living right in between those two claps and the now dude my mind's quiet my heart's full you know what i mean and so i try my best to I mean, you have to plan some things in life, but like I try and I don't know, just experience life like I, as I'm going, you know, and not be thinking about whatever, something that that's going to happen later today or tomorrow or next week or stuff that had happened in the past. Man, I just I don't know. I find that when I am in the now. Like that's when I am my happiest for you sure. Should, you should look into Diana Pasolka. She talks about this, how often creativity seems to connect to something higher a higher frequency higher dimensionality um people go into a zone it's almost like a really pure state of meditation and she's addressed that a lot of uh, creative people are connected to this too you know and there's a different part of the brain that gets used when you're being creative um and that might be the kind of um access that you need to get to some of these things if that makes sense that part of the brain i actually try to fiddle with that grant cameron spoke to me um and the other members of calling all beings in an interview 
and we just let him talk most of the time very stream of consciousness the great cameron does that though he is that way great (laughs) great and he addressed some of these things if you want to go look at that interview like he talked about one thing that really stuck with me is he like said god is just using us for entertainment essentially right uh, he said that, you know, the dream world is as real as this world, which stuck with me. Um, but, like, the reason he does a stream of consciousness stuck with me. is like, yeah, we just have to, to just kind of let our consciousness speak for us. And if we're stopping too much to think before we speak, that's not quite the same thing. We're not quite accessing that other part of us, if that makes sense. So he explained why he talks that way. But, yeah. A lot of people are addressing that. Like, I um, am an artistic person. I'm not trying to do that right now. I'm not trying to get into the zone right now. But it's. I think it's kind of funny. I am also, I used to actually sell art. <laughs> but I think I'm a little bit, I have a little too much going on right now. <laughs> I think between the research and my actual career and kids and stuff, it's a little too much. But, yeah, I appreciate that fact. I think that... Yeah, I really wish we could figure out how to get more of that part of our brain going. So it's good that you're already there. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. And Deb, I would, I wouldn't be too quick to just say, "Oh, you can't do that." Also, only because, <laughs> man, I just try not to limit myself because, like, right, it's yeah. very easy to tell myself, "Ah, man." It, you know, I, I just, I can't do it. I just, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the skill set. And man, I've just found, dude, I don't know. Just by moving forward and trying my best, I, I don't know. I just, I've been able to accomplish some really crazy stuff that I would have never, it was never on my five, 10 year plan. And I try and be mindful of that too. Like, even like if my son, if he's like, oh, dad, let's go out and jump on the trampoline or throw football, like in the middle of winter, right? It's freezing cold. I'll be like, oh, man, like I'll, I'll go out and do it, right? Because I'm, I'm a good dad and I like to have fun. But after so many minutes, a part of me on the inside starts being like, oh, man, I wish I was inside. This is freezing, right? But you keep going. Yeah. But I try and be mindful of like, yo, if I was out in these same conditions, most likely worse doing a camp out for like the secrets of the Sasquatch documentary, dude, I'm loving life, right? I am loving life. I'm freezing my buns off. It's snowing out, you know, uh, we're in potential Sasquatch country. Like just, there's a bunch of things, you know, my externally, my body is in the exact same or worse, like worse conditions. Then it's just like all a mental thing. So like, as I'm having those thoughts, right. Of like, ah, oh, man, I, I really want to get out of this cold and go in and we can play a video game or something. I just try and be mindful of like, God, oh, dude, now you'd be having the time of your life. If this was out doing something that like you really wanted yeah. to do. So if your son really wants to throw football out in the cold right now, dude, yeah. enjoy it. Enjoy I know. It. I know. There's, it's just, you know, it's a lot. I have some really serious work I want to do on this topic. I really want to help people. And uh, you know, of course, both of you are invited to help with that if you like, but um, it's a it's a really big deal to me. So I kind of have to focus, but I will show you a painting I, I like put in my search. I'll show you one painting I did some time ago. That was my dog. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's I insane. did that a few years ago. 
in a sweater, right? He's wearing a sweater. Yeah, he loved to wear a sweater. He really did. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, when so you feel called or compelled or whatever, you keep creating because I think I think you're a great artist. Yeah. Um, this is one I did some years ago. Uh, yeah. man, for the, the people who can't see this, just listening, we got a unicorn with the dope dragon coming down and kissing right. the it looks like yeah, it's kissing the um the the, the horn. Yeah, right? yeah. The tip so of the yes, Dude, I great. am too um an artistic person, uh as as I said, and um just sadly, let me ask you this. This is kind of cool. So, like, are you of the mindset? So, say you you made that um piece of art with the dragon kissing the the unicorn's horn. Mm-hmm. And you had a specific meaning, like you had a reason behind. This is what this yeah. depicts, right? Do you think that is the real reason, or the real thing, what it depicts? Or like, if say me, Matthew, and a million other people say no, that symbolism means this. Like, who's right? Is okay, it- so the art's a tough one. There's these different types of artists. There's some that I hate to say this, but it can be a little pretentious. Okay, mm-hmm. I was watching like a reality show about artists and I was like, if you don't just enjoy the aesthetic of what you've done, if you don't just think it's something you want to look at and get moved by and you feel like there has to be 15 symbolic reasons for that, you might be losing the art. Like they might mm-hmm. not be connecting to the other dimension because they're actually taking a more like academic approach to it, which isn't the same as art to me, if that makes sense. Um, so for me, I think art has to be, you get into that zone, you create something that means something to you. And for me, I just like to make beautiful things or interesting things. So I, I, I'm simplifying it, but that's the way I do it. I dig it. Yeah. I mean, more power to the person who wants to have like 15 symbols in their painting, (laughs) whatever you do, you, (laughs) but but are they accessing that zone? Are they going into that zone? I don't know. They might well, be into- <laughs> You know, in, in my book, I, I interpret some of Leonardo da Vinci's works um, in, in the terms of in terms of the initiation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that, you know, it is possible to be both in that zone and creating Mm -hmm. something that will speak to the collective human subconscious right yeah i think that at that point it's more like when someone creates an opus right they're they're um doing something else it's like creating a book in a painting form if that makes sense yeah right you know and i think that i so so you had that that painting of um lady liberty for example right yes and do you see that crown she's wearing, right? Mm-hmm. Those, those are those rays of light coming from the head, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the symbology of that. Because mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes in antiquity, they would have the, that same representation, but they would be, you know, gold-leafed or whatever as they're mm-hmm. the rays. But, you know, th- there were these gods in ancient Greece that were uh, responsible for liberation, Right. And, and, and they were a part of the mysteries like Apollo, uh, Demeter, Apollo, mm-hmm. especially he was 
he was he was the god of liberation he would you you would experience this kind of uh inner joy and freedom uh and that's that's really what that statue represents so i think you're it, that's coming through your subconscious yeah and a lot of people don't understand that that's what's happening there <laughs> if they could just look at their lives and stop and say what am i really doing here you know and and your subconscious is talking to you about liberation and liberty and and feeling that liberation that you feel when you mm -hmm. connect with that singular consciousness or what we would call the the subconscious mm -hmm. well every know? time i've tried to do a painting that was like uh what i feel borderline pretentious is the word that comes to mind when i think about it like that was just like emotion driven as opposed to just creating something beautiful right, right. um i feel like it gets really dark and i'm like no mm. i don't want that i don't <laughs> want that out in the world <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> well you know um so i something i'll say about that you know is mm -hmm. that for, for me, my experiences, they started out very dark, but then I reached a point where I broke, you know, and then the experience became something else altogether, something much more, you know? And so, so I don't, don't dismiss the dark, right? Because that has its purpose and its use. Um, a lot of people want to try and deny that, um, part of themselves but it's really something that you have to explore um as long as you're not hurting anyone right i mean obviously uh but 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 explore that why why is this dark what is the, what is the meaning of these symbols that i'm painting you know and what is it telling me about what's coming through the subconscious at that moment? Um, yeah but i i will sh show you one more because uh this one was commissioned someone asked me to paint their dog Oh wow! <laughs> and I and I really prefer to keep it light and happy and make someone feel good with my paintings. <laughs> yeah, you did a great job. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Just that's that's where I'd rather be with it. I don't know. I understand. You know, it's a great way for people to express themselves if they need to. But okay, now I found another one. Someone else asked me to paint their chihuahuas. <laughs> Oh wow, they had quite a few, huh? Yes. Man. I love it. We got six chihuahuas on screen right now on right. a rug uh that's sitting on a hardwood floor, perhaps. Yeah, there's a I lot think. of a it's lot hard. Of... I mean, that's what I'm picking up. But for yeah, the listeners was, out there, beautiful going on. Artwork. So yeah, I know it's not really good for radio to At talk about. Of UAP S or UAPs rather. What am I talking about? But yeah, you, you follow her on Twitter. I think she's going to maybe start slanging these here soon. Inflation's mm -hmm. running out of control. So Deb's going to have to start selling these <laughs> for a pretty, pretty penny. But yeah, believe me, if you're you. listening, you want you want these paintings. She, <laughs> she does great. And guess what? They're super rare because she stopped making them for the time <laughs> being. She's too busy studying UAPs. <laughs> so now's the time to get them. Yeah. At study of UAPs on Twitter, you'll find the link in the bio. Right. You know what's what's funny is that um I did one of those paint nights with my sister and I certainly added a UFO. Like I'm like, this painting is boring. Let's put a UFO in here. 
I dig it. So there's Easter eggs in her paintings too. I'm, I'm yes. going to buy one. I'm heading on to Twitter after this podcast <laughs> to get a couple. There's any no, I left. Appreciate, I, I appreciate that. I will say I have been encouraged to write a book, uh, but I don't want to do that. I think when it comes to this subject, um, that's not my, my place. You know, everyone has a puzzle piece and that one's not mine. I've written books um, for counseling. So I know that I could do it, right? Yeah. But I feel like that's not what I need to do. What I need to do is give people a voice. I need people to think. I need people to just have the information and make their own decisions. And I need to help people. That's what I need to do. So I, I love feel compelled. In that, in that vein, Matthew, like anywhere, you know, growing up uh, throughout your life, did you ever think you would be an author? Is that something, you know, did no. you love writing in English class and stuff like that? No, I, I really didn't. You know, I, I actually, in high school, I failed uh, English one year and I had to take summer school to make it up. But I will say that, um, you know, uh, my summer school teacher was like, what are you doing here? You know, like after I, after we had to turn in some assignments, he's like, you don't belong here. And I was mm -hmm. like, I was like, yeah, you know, there were a lot of assignments I didn't turn in because I was bored. I didn't realize this was an assignment. Like the guy was handing out crossword puzzles or something. And I, I was like, oh, is this just to keep us busy? I guess, <laughs> you know, and he's and, and I found out like halfway through the year, he's like, no, that's homework. And I was like, I've never turned in a single one of those things because I didn't <sighs> realize that was. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And dug so, yourself a bit of a hole. But I think that's a great lesson for anybody listening in is like, oh yeah. you know, here's Matthew, right? I mean, he's, you've had led like a great life. You, you got to see this, this uh, insane uh, UAP video on the Theodore Roosevelt. Then you have these experiences yourselves. Uh, then you see more footage, uh, military footage, like on this private network. And yeah, and then you're writing a book. So it's like, oh, guys, he failed English. Look where it look where he's at now. And same the credit to you of not limiting yourself is like, oh, I'm not an author. Right. Yeah. I failed English class. There's no way I write these book, this book. There's no way my experiences and the way that I interpret these experiences and what they all mean and how I can use that to help others. Like there's a million ways you could have talked yourself out of writing that book. So oh, yeah. kudos to you for doing it. And I hope it's inspiring to others out there who don't think they can do something based on a past experience or not being able to uh, do something previously. It's like, Oh dude, I find if, if, yep. If you try your best and I know it sounds corny, but Man, like, it's just weird growing up and parents and people say, dude, you can be anything you put your mind to. And somewhere around middle school, high school and college, you know, that goes way out the window. And it's whether it's having fun or, oh, well, I got to get a job that pays money. That stuff all leaves. But, man, I found here in my mid-30s that, man, like I taught myself filmmaking. If you watch these documentaries by Dockside Media, you'd you would be shocked that Chris Rupert and myself, both of us over like six years um, through just doing various things, commercials, music, videos, short film, all these 
different things that some people, when they would see the video on Facebook, they'd be like, dude, what's wrong with you? What drugs are you on? And I was like, you know what? I'm not making it for them. I'm making it for the people that are enjoying it. Right. And um, you should say that. So here I am. Yeah. And I've been able to achieve some dope things. And so Matthew, yep. I hope everybody's getting lessons left and right about trying uh, and getting outside their comfort zone. I have to say, Jeremy Corbell has a very distinctive style with his videos and he's highly successful. This, you know, it's not the most high quality stuff. It's he puts his own spin on things, but it's his art and people are really responsive. So I feel like the what matters is the content, right? And that you put that heart in there. And I feel like that's what you do with your documentaries. And you actually are giving us really interesting information when you do it. And you have, you know, rare opportunities that you are pushed to do. And when we were talking earlier about, you know, how that connects us potentially to something greater than ourselves, be it our consciousness, the phenomenon, other dimensions, we don't know. I was thinking of a word that just kept coming into my head that you know, reminds me that we just like to change words out over time. And it's probably the same thing. But the word muse, we used to use that word a lot, that we had a muse. And that muse guided us. And that muse helped us to write or create art or, you know, create a documentary. And then we stopped using that word, but it's still there, right? So what was the muse? Was it the same thing? Probably, right? All this time in hu- human history, muse is an old word. <laughs> and yeah. this idea of like, well, you said, Matthew, like, you know, are we similar? Are we manifesting reality thought? Are we creating this universe? It's like, um, Oh, uh, where, uh, man, dude, I lost my train of thought there. Darn it. It was really good. Hold on. You will muse, manifest it again. Muse, um, you will manifest it again, Tyler. Yeah, no, I will. I guess it wasn't that important, man. It was really, I, my heart skipped a beat when it came into my mind, but I guess the phenomenon <laughs> didn't want it to come out here. It uh, it darn was. it, man. The darn Ponte, they're up here. Like just sucking thoughts out of my head mid mid talking uh man it'll come back to me but um you you guys i I love the the idea what's that dem do you remember the secret like people really pushed that for a while that's girl that wasn't what it was but here's what it is thank you for spurring that it's dude i've noticed in my experience like a lot of there can be t- people of all different types of backgrounds, cultures, religions, right? But those who deeply believe in something tend to go further. Like you see, like just these, you know, and 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 like so. I don't care what you believe in, but I feel like those that believe wholeheartedly mm-hmm. get further. Like all these. You see a ton of, um, say, athletes, you know, be pulled out of poverty, right? They believed in themselves. Some of them didn't, like, just had really rough upbringings. Right. um, And should have never made it. 
but like they believed they could do it. I believed we could get these documentaries picked up for distribution on and on right. major streaming platforms. And like somehow that allowed it to happen. And whether I was thanking God every night, the Ponte, uh, what like I feel like as long as I'm acknowledging some belief and that maybe there's something else out there that's helping move it this direction. I'm not saying that for a thousand percent certain, but like I'm open to, Hey, I'm not doing all this myself. Right. Um, but like, I don't know that belief of this is where I can go, like takes me so yeah. much further. I'm, I'm not saying that I necessarily condone the secret and all that. Cause I think there was some weird stuff that happened with that. Um, but I think you know, people talk a lot about intention when they talk about the phenomenon, right? And what you put out may also be what you get back, things like that. So when we access that muse, I feel like people are sometimes hesitant to make requests or to set limits. And I feel like people should be more open to having some say in what's happening, if that makes sense. What do you think, Matthew? Do you think you could tell the phenomenon what you need from it and have some say? Yeah, I I have done that. Um, so one of the things that William Walker Atkinson and, and Mabel Collins both write about is this uh, voice, right? You can hear. And, and Mabel Collins calls it waking clairvoyance. Hmm. Um, but I, I just, it's just, I describe it as a voice that I hear. Uh, in the moments between asleep and awake. And I can go to bed at night and, and think about something, wonder about it, and then wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night. And as I'm waking up, I will hear the voice tell me something that relates to what I was wondering about. Mm -hmm. right? it, it might give me the name of an author or the name of an artist. That I, and these are things that I've never heard of before, right? And Or the name of a book. And then I'll go read that book or that author. And I'm like, oh, you know, here it is, you know. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, you, you can absolutely do that. Or, you know, it may come more subtly than the voice and in, in that, you know, you'll just be online or you'll be having a conversation with a stranger and they'll mention some book and you're like, hmm, you know, and then you look into that and you're like, oh, this is what I was looking for, you know. Um, I feel like I have even more obvious interactions like like I'll be like, I really want to know who this person was that Roger Lear was talking about in his book, right? two days later i'm emailing the man i know who he is i know what work he's done and i know where he's been on tv <laughs> yeah. and he's sending me photos that other people are not aware of that exists in the world so like I'm, i feel like things like that happen if you have the intention if you push for it if you if you um make it clear what you want yeah yeah i think i think that's true and but you know, I, I think that there that that falls within reason, right? Because uh like I could also go to bed tonight and wish that I win the Powerball 
you know, the next Powerball drawing. <laughs> and that's not necessarily going to happen. But um, I'm going to work on that one. Yeah, when it was a billionaire, I was like trying to manifest that as well. Right. It didn't happen. We're still here. But, How many movies you could make if you were rich? Oh, I know, right? Oh, my gosh. Dude, we'd be cranking out. Yeah. More than four. That's for sure. Now, you, you'll, you'll be on your fifth one soon. I gave you more ideas. Remember last oh, time we yeah, talked no. today? More ideas. Uh, we're gonna, oh, now we keep going. We had this um, uh, doc called Ghost in the Graveyard, Pure Pandemonium, uh, where we're doing this camp out in a haunted cemetery in the ghost town of Pandemonium um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, but just some odd circumstances led to like the last two campouts being canceled. But I still have faith that we will get that camp out in hopefully at the end of this month. Um, but so, yeah, that's the fifth one definitely coming up and I'm trying to, uh, I will look into what you had mentioned, uh, off air Deb. I don't want to, I don't know if I want to keep yeah, the audience in quite keep your yet. secret. Okay. <laughs> but that, but also I'm trying to do remote viewing. I am trying to do the remote viewing doc. Um, We'll see. Uh, Richard Doty, I think, might have some info. I was trying to I see if he could connect that. me to help put off as well, if I could interview. No? Um, he could, but Hal Putoff doesn't like to do a lot of public appearances. He might do it for you for a documentary. Um, I'll That's tell what, you yeah, Deb, stuff. See, I, I'll tell I'll you stuff off the air about all that. I'll go get my own experience. If he says no, then that's cool. He says I no. Know. But I don't uh, like thinking them negative thoughts of, oh, no, he won't. He won't. Do oh, it. he will I for you, Tyler. I would have. Yeah. Intentionalize, manifest. And yeah. I can't believe all the people I've talked to so far. It blows my mind. I mean, it really does. Like, I just, I'm very thankful, man, and grateful for the life that I have and the awesome people that. Yeah, I've sat down to talk with it. So I'll hold the camera for you if you get him. How put off might do it. All right, I'll let you know when I get it set up. I'm gonna try. Yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more about that off the air, but oh, <laughs> uh, that like a dagger right in my heart and a little bit of oh, a no, no, it's, but it's it's you good can't news. Get me down, Deb. It's good I'm news. It's good news, oh. not bad news. Good news. All right, take dagger out. I'm turning. I just, it's yeah, no dagger. It's just, I'll tell you about how to access information off, off the air. So, um, Matthew, I was looking through all the questions that I had, and I feel like we pretty much covered <laughs> everything in a very roundabout way. The only thing that we didn't really get into was I would like to know if other people in the military have been more forthcoming with you. Um, either former or current military about this topic, because obviously, as you said, there are other videos, it's happening all the time. If people are feeling less stigma now that reporting is considered a requirement and a national security issue, I just want to know if you can give us a, a feel of what's happening that people are not realizing. I, I understand there's a, lots of vets coming out um, and they're public. But I was just wondering if you could comment a little of your impression of the military on this issue. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, people in the military have opened up to me. I have people contacting me all the time. That's 
um, people who are still active duty, um, that are experiencing things. Um, and yeah, I, I, one of the things that really, I, and I said this in a, I think it was in a Twitter space the other day, uh, because I, I go into these Twitter spaces about this topic and, and there, there are vets in there all the time, you know, they're talking about this stuff and they're talking about how they get laughed out of the VA, um, mental health. And I, that is, that just, oh my gosh. Uh, that makes me very angry. Um, and I think that, uh, and I, 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 I have advised people that if you are a vet and you're experiencing these things and the VA is laughing you out <laughs> of your appointments, you should call Senator Gillibrand's office. Uh, I would, I would definitely say that, um, because this, this isn't a joke, right? Senator Gillibrand knows that. Um, she's seen some of this stuff behind closed doors. She's been briefed about things uh, that the public has not seen. So the fact that the VA is is uh, either denying coverage or laughing you out of their offices is just abhorrent, right? And it should not be happening. Yeah, you, you know, you could also uh, let me know because I could use some... Uh, accounts on that since I'm kind of working on the medical aspect right now. Um, so if I could get, you know, people who are willing to write something about that, it would be something that we could put under the umbrella of things that we're working on. Um, but yeah, to me, it's crazy that this wasn't getting reported. <laughs> like still, like, you right. know, it really is the most bizarre thing. Like if something's flying around our warships, don't you think we should be reporting it? It's so weird that they didn't want to let people report it. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you, I love that Matt, like that Matthew is someone that saw this footage, right? And had these experiences because like I can tell he's very, as he mentioned earlier, logical, level-headed. I can't see him. I mean, I'm sure he gets excitable, but uh you know, about something he really loves, but like he, he just seems very down to earth, very reserved, maybe somewhat reserved. Um, you know, and so I just love that this experience happened to you because if it happens to somebody like me, you know, I'm just ah, nah, nah, do that. like, and for, for a guy like me, your message and story and experience is more, it's more powerful. Um, because you, of the things that you've done and like, yeah, where you were serving and you're, you know, and you're a cryptologist or were a cryptologist, right? So you're obviously intelligent and you can understand how to decipher stuff and, and symbols and all this stuff. So like, it's just, I think it was just really cool how the phenomenon selected you or however it came about. Um, Cause I think that it makes a more powerful testimony for a guy like me. Yeah. Yeah. They like to pick the best of the best, Matthew. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Well, I, I guess I guess they they do. I mean, um, they they pick who they want based on, I think, psychological factors, right? We've heard uh, Dr. Nolan talking about how usually these people are highly intelligent. Um, they're they're 
quick thinkers. They're very intuitive. Um, you know, they're just great people. Um, yeah. And, and um, Preston Dennett said the same thing that people that like to serve other people. Yes. Awesome. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I had always been that way pretty much my whole life. Everything that I do, I, I, I always have it in my head that I'm, you know, I'm doing this for everyone else. Like nothing I ever do is for me. You know, I, I don't, I don't like doing things for me. Uh, that's mm. never been the way of my life at all. Um, I like to be in service of others. I like to give people presents on my birthday. On your own birthday. Mm -hmm. I know I've done it. Wow. I'm shocked. That's cool. Yeah. I think it's ultra rare. Just like your paintings. Everybody (laughs) (laughs) get your rare paintings. I think I'm going to paint you, Tyler. I'm going to paint you and put it out in the world and it'll be a double rare painting. (laughs) Go ahead. But yeah, I think um, I'm excited to hear that people are reaching out to you and I'm excited that they feel like they have a voice now and someone that's out there willing to be public um, to give them that voice. So we appreciate that from you very much. Um, So keep doing what you're doing. If you need me, you can find me. You know where I am. And of course, you know, Tyler, you and I probably should talk more often. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> it's just so much fun <laughs> when we, when we get into this collaborative modes but um that's how i, I wanted to, i mean we we're almost at two hours and i think we could probably keep going forever because we have so much to talk about and so many things to try to understand and that's what we're all working together to do but i wanted to give you both a chance to let people know where you are um tyler i'm gonna let you go first and let everyone know how they can find you Okay, I'll try and keep this sweet. So again, my name's Tyler Transu with Dockside Media. That's right, the dopest documentary production company this side of the Milky Way. Dig it, dug it, dang damn it, let's go. Check it. You can find us on all your socials. Uh, Dockside Media is on Facebook, on Instagram at Dockside Media. That's D-O-C-S-I-D-E Media. We're on Twitter at Dockside Media. Got a YouTube channel, and we're on them there TikToks. And we had a couple of them TikTok videos. The one uh, Matthew mentioned about, uh, I guess it was off air, but me um, being dressed in an extraterrestrial costume and getting uh, Chris Rupert, the other Dockside Media filmmaker, getting his daughter off the bus. It's uh, about to crack 110,000 views on TikTok. So that's super crazy. Um, also, you can find us at www.docsidemedia.com, and that's where you'll find the links to all of our documentaries like Conscious Contact, Full Disclosure, The Ghosts of Gettysburg, Secrets of the Sasquatch, and In Plain Sight, The Intelligence Community and UFOs will be dropping October 18th. And those bad boys are on Amazon, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, PlayStation, Microsoft Movies, and some are, some are on Voodoo. And that's that's it. I think I'm done, but I, I love no, hearing not. from everybody too. send us messages, man. If you had experiences, I've reached out to everybody, try and respond to everybody. We love engaging people and we're real transparent about what we're working on. So like, as I fly out to interview Richard Doty or somebody or John Ramirez, 
you know, you can see me shooting videos in the airports and stuff like that and taking pictures. So uh, you can see all the different people that are going to appear in the docks and then I cut little trailers. And, ah, it's a fun, fun ride. So please come along for it. Okay. Thank you very much. And I, I just wanted to say, I try to know you're not because you're not done. You have more work to do. Okay. Matthew, oh, please let everyone know where you are. <laughs> um, you know, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and uh, yeah, Matthew Roberts on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, just look me up. Two T's and Matthew. Yes, yes. Two T's. And I do have it linked, but please also let people know um, about your book, the title of your book again, please. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Initiated. You can get it on Amazon. I've made it as cheap as possible um, for people because uh, I noticed that you know people. I I was having people buying my book in India and I and stuff like that. And I so I the 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 digital copy is like a dollar ninety nine or something. Uh, so uh, I mean, get that by all means. It's cheap. Uh, you may need it someday. <laughs> I do have a tendency to buy UFO books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Deb's your target market. Specifically. I, might, I might have bought a couple. Um, and I might have bought about six more the other day. Okay, so thank you to both of you for coming today. Um, and I'm gonna say goodbye to our audience. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. If you guys want to find me, I'm at Study of UAPs, Twitter, LinkedIn, so on and so forth. I'm also at the UFOConnector.com or on Calling All Beings on YouTube. Everyone, take care and have a good day, good night, etc. Thank you again.